0: Yo, 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 this is Nancy Giles on the Giles Files. And here with me in the studio is my producer, Nancy Wyatt. Yo, say hi, Nancy Wyatt. Right in tune with my ukulele. Does cop does that word bother you if people call you a cop? Oh no, otherwise? that's great. Some that's people great. don't like that.
1: No, you know I, I sometimes dress myself as Kelly the cop. Oh, I you, like you that. You know, people so "I'm Kelly the cop." <laughs>
0: yeah, you, know? you know, the other expression I always liked, although I don't know where it came from, was the fuzz. The fuzz. Yeah. Now, yeah. do you like? Would you like Kelly the fuzz? No, I like the man. The man is The, the man. yeah. That's, that's, that's an old song, right? The man. You know. <laughs> that's right. Who's the man? <laughs> Who's the man? The man is on his way. <laughs> <laughs> The man is Captain Sean Kelly from the Weehawken Police Department. We put out a special APB for this sit-down with our favorite man in blue this is, might sound like kind of weird but like have you had to use your
1: gun i've had to pull my gun out a few times yeah but thankfully i never had it had to shoot it. you hear a lot of the time that police are trained to shoot to kill yes
0: why that as opposed to <clears throat> shoot to disarm or or slow, down. Or slow somebody right. down i mean is there a how
1: well, does it's, that work it's very hard to hit your target with the gun believe it or not and you want to shoot for the center mass so the biggest part of your body is your body, torso. If we try to shoot you in the arm, we have a 90% chance of missing and oh, it's yeah. going to hit somebody else. Right. So that's why we have to shoot at the body. Unfortunately, the results are often deadly. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big proponent now uh, of beanbag ammunition. You know, They have, they have now uh, enhanced weapons where they'll stun you without hurting, like stun guns, right. and beanbag uh, bullets, stuff of that that sort. That sounds a lot more humane like lot, less people a lot, getting a lot killed more humane. is doing this
0: work hard on your head can it be a, a you know a difficult thing mentally psychologically to deal with
1: it, it is a great job it, it does pay well it's got a lot of benefits but it has some stressors it's got to know? wear on you and, and they say for some people you need to exercise things like that me I eat <laughs> you know, I, I'm a stressful eater, you know um <laughs>
0: What's
1: your main comfort? Zone? Yeah, anything chocolate. Oh man, anything <laughs> chocolate. We have to be careful. Right. Anything chocolate. Um, I like to have my beer. You know, when my shift is over, when I get home, the first thing I do is have a nice cold beer. Uh-huh. And, uh and, and that's my downfall: chocolate right. and, and beer.
0: Are you married? Are you seeing anybody?
1: I'm divorced.
0: Is it hard to meet ladies when, you, when they can know they you're a cop? Them. We can wonder. you tell
2: them you're a police officer.
0: Is it a, is can that, that be deterrent? a turn on or a it, turn off? Well, it, it
1: depends on what's going on in society. Sometimes it is, ah, sometimes it isn't. Right. Ebb, ebb, ebb and flow, mm-hmm. you know? So sometimes when, when uh, people like the police, they love us. And uh, when they don't, it, it's bad. Okay. But, um, but it's hard. You know, I, I'm divorced. And, and part of the problem is when you're a police officer on the street, you tell somebody to do something, and they have to do it. When you're married, you tell your wife to do something. It's not always going to work out that way. And I've learned from experience that that's what kind of happens. So officers often get divorced because they don't realize when they're home, they're not really the boss. That's not (laughs) going to work. That is so funny. Did the job uh, affect
0: your relationship without getting down and dirty? Absolutely. Was that part of it?
1: at the time when I was married, we used to rotate. So one week on days, one week on four to twelves, one week on midnights. So it puts a strain on the relationships. Of course. A, it wasn't all the job. I'm a terrible person for relationships, but uh, the policing makes it uh, even more
0: You seem like difficult. a perfectly nice person for relationships. What do you, what do you mean, Sean? Well,
1: well, you know, these things happen. <laughs> It's important for police to live in the communities that they serve absolutely 100 percent i think that's the most important tell thing. me why um because then you have a stake in your community i'm walking around and i see something i'm going to say something where if a cop doesn't live um in that town or he doesn't work in that town he might not do anything and and you want your community to be safe
0: there are police officers who don't Value. They don't have a stake in where they're patrolling,
1: and and exactly. it, you can tell. And they don't see the uh, the citizen as a person. They see it maybe as as an abstract thing, as opposed to a person. Can we
0: talk a little bit about that? Because sure. uh, because this is a big criticism that it's been in the media, but also people have felt that way. That police officers, oftentimes, don't see uh, people as people. Right. I mean, definitely there are racial differences in that, but, you know, there've been a lot of issues with that.
1: What, what, what's your take on that? Well, it's all about empathy. You know, you have to have empathy for other people. I think that comes with maturity. I think a person shouldn't be hired as a police officer until they're at least maybe 25 years old. Oh, wow. Maybe should have some sort of college because, uh, it's all maturity.
0: I really agree with what you say about, people being educated, I think that can be a big, make a big change in a person when they've had some time with books and meeting other people and stuff, as opposed to a lot of, I think, cadets in New York that come right out of high school and they start, you know, it's not, is it a
1: requirement? So in New Jersey, uh, depending on the, on the agency, some agencies require a college. Agencies? The you police mean... departments. Oh, the, different... different departments, right. Oh, okay. Would, would require a college. I a college. see. So uh, my department is basically just a high school diploma. Really? Where when I was a kid growing up, uh, they didn't even need a high school diploma. That I didn't know. Really? Yeah. So they needed a diploma. So
2: you could graduate from Weehawken High and go to the cadet police department. school?
1: Yeah. You, you take the civil service exam and you can go right from high school to the police.
0: That just seems so young. That's so young. young. Because what you said was right about being older, coming to the job older, I think that makes... More worldly, more experienced,
1: which causes empathy. Then you can look at somebody and say, okay, what is this person going through? where a young kid lived with his parents, what problems has he really had? No money problems, you, you know, car yeah. problems.
0: Can you imagine, him in, depending on what neighborhood he lives in, only living with people that look like him and make money, you know, the same... And I,
1: and I guess that's why they have problems in bigger cities, in yeah. urban areas, that might cause problems. And
2: maybe joining for the wrong reason, because at that age... You know, you think all oh, that action, right, right. And shoot them up. And you have and all yeah, well, testosterone. Yeah. You know. Yes, I mean, yeah. there
0: does seem to be kind of a carryover with some people between video games and actually, like, you know, right, using weapons in the streets and whatnot. You know, that can be crazy.
1: How do you think that made you a better cop going through college? Um, much better, I think. Um, I got my master's degree uh, in 2010, and that opened me up to the social problems that cause crime, uh, economics things like that where I used to think it was more of a choice but some people now it's social economic problems if, if you're poor and you have to feed your family by all means if you have to steal you're gonna steal. Have you had very any
0: difficult interactions that you want? Um,
1: now it seems all our interactions are difficult. Why? Uh, because the media portrays us in such a bad light that right away when we have our first dealing with someone they're on the uh, defensive or offensive. They think we're out to get them, Uh, we're bad people. So right away, we're often now at a disadvantage. So we're immediately diffusing a situation where there's no need for that. Right, so two things. What do you think the media could do to
0: improve the way they cover you guys. We'll start with that.
1: I think something like this, where they will interview police officers, whether uh, on radio or television, uh, just realize we were normal people, that we're not out to hurt anybody. And uh, it is protect and serve. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are a few bad apples, I'm sure, in, in every profession. and But I think it's few and far between. Right. We try to make sure the public knows that we need them to help us. We need them to call us, let us know what's going on, and we'll go there. You sometimes maybe you're throwing out your garbage and you see somebody outside looks suspicious. You call us, we'll be right there. So, so you guys don't mind being called for quote unquote non-emergencies. Oh no, no, we, we love it. That helps us solve the big crimes, uh, the car burglars, uh, the house burglars, because um, when you drive around the police car, people hide. People that are up to no good, they're gonna hide. However, if you're in your house and you look out the window you could see somebody that might be hiding from us. I see. People, you know, you don't think of that. Because I think also, you think 911
0: when you call the police. It's yes. got to be like, you know, a house is on fire or something like that. Right. And right. it doesn't have to re- raise that level. But I've also heard some 911 calls where people are like, I'm at the drive-thru at McDonald's and they gave me the wrong change. And right, I've heard right. all kinds of things. Right. right. So well,
1: we had a person call one time. It was a Saturday morning. Uh, he was a construction worker. And he was coming down to do construction at Weehawken. So he wanted to know if it was raining outside. Because um, if it was raining, he would have to work. So by all means, I fully intended to go outside and check the weather for the man. But I had to ask him. I said, sir, you're calling the police department to find out if it's raining outside. He said, yes. I said, okay, hold on one second. I went out, checked. I said, nope, it's not raining. It's actually beautiful out. And the guy was like, thank you. And my dispatcher, she couldn't stop
0: laughing. <laughs> well, because you went the extra distance. I mean, some people would have said, you know, blankety, blankety, blank, and hung up. Right, but they right, But you really did right. it. <laughs> have you ever been in line, and there's one person in front of you, And then someone saunters up and starts talking to the person in front of you like they're friends. And you're like, okay, well, they're just friends. They're talking. And then before you know it, the friend is now ahead of you and ordering something.
2: It's it's happened to me. And depending on my mood, I'll say what's going on here. Yeah.
0: I don't know why, but when you say, what's going on, it's (laughs) like, it's a clarion call for like police or security or something. That's my
2: civil way of saying, what the
0: (laughs) Every Wednesday, I work for Food Network at Chelsea Market. And there's a really great place where they make tacos. At this taco place, there's two separate lines. First, you pay, they give you a slip, then you have to go hand your slip to like the taco chef, and he'll do your order. So I got my slip and I found myself right behind the girl who jumped in front of me. And I said, you know, you jumped right in front of me and made your order. I was in line. And she said, oh, turn around and said, well, I was there before. I just, I stepped out of line to check something and I was there before. And I said, I didn't see you here before. And she said, well, that's your problem. (coughs) How was it my problem that you appeared from nowhere? And I stopped in mid-sentence and thought, this is even absurd that I'm arguing with her and I said out loud she's privileged she's just exhibiting her privilege she heard that part and she turned around and she said to me oh are you saying I'm privileged because I'm white and I said that's a start yeah and then I stopped talking to her and I heard her continue to yammer behind me I took my slip I went to the taco guy now I think he took my slip ahead of her because then I heard her say, oh, look at who's privileged. She just jumped in front of everybody online, which I thought was kind of ironic since she had just done the same thing for me. But I didn't talk to her. I just turned my back and waited. And then the taco chef made my two carne asada tacos, which is what, what I get every Wednesday. I love those. And he handed me an extra plate with two chicken tacos and said, miss, take these. And I said, oh, no, no, I only ordered the carne asada tacos. And he goes, no, really, take them. So I'm automatically making up this story in my head thinking he overheard that whole exchange between me and that nasty girl. And I don't know whether he did or not, but he was very insistent about me taking the to tacos. And I said, no, I'm trying to lose weight. And he was like, oh. And then this other girl, younger white girl that was next to me, she was looking at the tacos and she said, well, if you don't want them, I'll take them. I said, go ahead, take them. She said, really? I said, yeah, go ahead. Thanks. It was this nice little turnaround of something nasty that then was nice and then I felt like I was able to pass it on. But the bigger thing is, just going back to the question, I almost asked the girl and then stopped, how is it my problem that she was not in line and then sauntered into the line? Am I supposed to logically get to the line and know that she had been there from before? Am I supposed to have intuited that she left the line and then came back? But the ease in which she said, that's your problem. That's what so stunned me. It wasn't my problem. She was the problem. All you had to do was apologize. I think I did say that. If you just would say you're sorry or just be civil about it, it would have made a big difference. But she shifted into high gear and started shrieking about how horrible it was, of course, that I said that she was privileged because she was white. Um, What's going on in this country with people being civil and being... Just plain polite, I'm sorry, excuse me, you didn't see me before, but I really was here. My friend will vouch for me. Where did that go? Why did she go into overdrive like that? Here's a definition of the word civility from Tomas Spath and Cassandra Donkey, who are founders of the Institute for Civility in Government. Civility is claiming and caring for one's identity, needs, and beliefs without disregarding someone else's in the process. Amen. What can I do for you? You don't need to be talking right now. You need to be listening. Excuse me, man, I just want to go get I need get to a- ask you a couple of questions.
1: For what? Sir, don't make this hard for yourself.
2: Wait, what hard? What are you- just hey, just man, a minute.
1: I just- can I help you? Hey, let me just... Whoa, co- whoa, 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 whoa. No, I just wanted... To- Calm down.
0: Corey, have you ever been pulled over by the cops and, uh, and profiled?
2: Oh, yeah. You know, I used to live across from university. And I called the cops because, you know, someone was pissing on my house. And then when the cops came, I mean, it went straight to me. Like, hands out of the pockets, don't speak, come put it, put me out. I was just like, yo, man, I called you.
1: you you... That's
0: writer-director Corey Bowles and a clip from his provocative and timely new movie, Black Cop. I heard your interview with Q on uh, NPR a couple weeks ago and pulled the car over and wrote your name down and said to my producer, we've got to talk to this dude. He's got this new movie and it sounds fantastic.
2: We wanted to talk to you before we even saw the movie. Absolutely. Because we loved the premise. Yeah. Oh snap. <laughs> <laughs> Tell people a little bit uh, about the film. It's uh, satire slash psychological drama. It follows a day in the life of a black police officer who uh, already struggling with his moral duty and his uh his obligation to the community or what you would see his obligation he is racially profiled by his peers off the job and he finally snaps and he dishes out some of that on the more privileged community yeah so it's a it's a bit of a script flipped, layered i suppose because it is really ultimately about a character there's been a disturbance in the neighborhood. That's great. I want to talk to you. I want to identify you. For what? I asked you to identify yourself. I didn't tell you. And now you're being hostile.
1: Yo, back your man off of me. Yo, step back from me, man. You might want to lose the aggression. There is no aggression here. Let's try this again. Yo, back your man off of me, and then maybe we can have a conversation. You don't tell us how this goes. Hey, with all due respect, that's exactly what I'm doing. Hey, hey, hey and why is your hand on your piece, man?
2: Why didn't he tell the officers... He was a fellow cop right at the beginning he started to but he didn't when he's going hey can i just and they're shutting him down he's like i just want to tell you and they shut him down then he just was like you know pardon my language but he's like fuck you man like he's like he was like i and i think it's that moment of where you get into that thing where you're like i'm not going to be heard you don't get my voice, right? you know, and, and in those cases, it's the same type of thing where you start to say something and then they just shut you down. And it's like, they want your voice until you use it. And when you use it, they don't want it anymore. And I'm like, then you don't deserve my voice, actually, but you deserve my rage. And I guess I relate to that moment where, you know, I realized that nothing's going to get me out of the moment.
0: There were so many moments of the movie that we thought were so personal. Where you took the time to let the black cop kind of just exist in front of the camera, just we just got a chance to look at him and try to think of what was in his mind without dialogue, without music. Yeah. Really stunning to look at. Yeah,
2: the silence, the long silence through the chain link fence. Yeah. After the police leave, that and he's was... going through his phone, and it's like he's just trying to get himself... himself right. Again. That was an interesting scene because. Uh, you know, it's a scene that was one line long and I talked to my actor about it and I was like, you know, we're, we're collectively, we were collectively talking about the shock we all feel when, when things happen. I remember what that was like when, you know, when I watched my friend get just destroyed by an officer and just the the amount of shock we all felt as we were just held to do nothing. And you, yeah, it was interesting to actually put that in cinema. Have you heard from any police officers? Yeah. Oh, what what do they say? Yeah. yeah, we had a we had a big, pretty big screening here in Nova Scotia it was like three theaters. So a lot of people came and some officers had come and um, one one officer he, he enjoyed it. He was a he was a white gentleman and he uh, he had said it's a good movie. It was bullshit. He's like, because it's not real. You know, I work with officers and I had two other officers come up to me uh, that were black and said, thank you for making this movie
0: sorry, what's going on here? Am I getting
1: a ticket? Get back in the car, man. I just
0: need to know some answers.
1: Get back in the car. I deserve to know some answers. Uh get back in the car. I and don't to let me ask on. you I again get a back in know i have the right in the to car. know what's going on. I said, I get have the right to the know car. what's going on. I need to know. Get back in the car. I will get back in the car when you okay, tell wait. me what's going on. Don't walk away from okay, hey, I, I said oh, to get back.
2: When we were shooting this movie, we had two PO officers. You know, the officers come and lock down traffic and make sure that. The scene goes. Um, we had a, a very young rookie uh, who wasn't African Nova kosher, and he was really interested in talking to the women on set about um, how how weaponized uh, he wants to be and he's going to be because he wants to be SWAT. And he was talking about uh, you know showing all the tricks that he does to disarm people and how quickly he could break someone's leg. And he's just going off on this thing. And he's just really really fascinated about what we were doing. He's like, well, no, you would hit like this. And if you really want to, you know, you don't need to hit him that much. You could just take him out just by hitting him right here behind the ear. And we're just looking at this guy. And we're like, he's a rookie, right? I mean, it's a first year. Then he says, "Uh, I'm going to go into the North End where all the action is, where all the crime is. And I live in the North End, right? And I'm like, I was just like, so this is the guy who's going to come into the North End, a place that's like, you know, we're just fighting cameras being put in. And there's other cops here. they are community workers who are who are being upgraded. I looked at this person. I was like, you, this is why I'm making this movie. Like, I, you're going to kill somebody. Oh my God. And, my and God. I hated to think like that, but that's what I thought is the difference between these two is that someone who is within a community who's, you know, called all sorts of names by his own community. There's other kid who just wants to come in there and just swat it up. And I, I kind of went off and I was like, I'm making this movie about you, man. And, you, you know, think- it was...
0: Did he hear you? Did he hear what you were saying, do you think? Did he get it? No.
2: I do not want this person in my neighborhood, right? You know, because I have people I care about there. We don't need him to to stop people for no reason. We don't need him to walk on foot and and you know patrol our communities on foot like he's like he's some sort of like stormtrooper. You know, I, I don't looking for shit. I like it just can't happen. And you know, there's a lot of officers here. that are just really trying to do their job. Right. And I'm like, dude's not making it good for them. We have officers that take particular interest in high risk communities and want to be there. Um, And they're the ones that make the change that doesn't stop the, you know, the mass amount of traffic stops and everything else that happens. And of course, you know, we have our own issues, but um, they, they try, you know, they try. There were aspects
0: of the movie. There were moments when black cop went after some of the white instigators that I had to stop and almost laugh. Like it made me, it, it, Almost exhilarated me to see what he was doing, and I was surprised that that was my reaction. I mean, it was kind of a combination of wincing and being thrilled at seeing the shoe on the other foot. Don't, don't, hey, no, no. No, no! Whoa, whoa, whoa! Put that away. Huh? Put, that away.
1: Huh? Put that away. I don't You can't do that. You
2: can't. One screening in Toronto. People, the second screening, people were cheering, and it was kind of scary. And then the third screening, people were just silent and in the in the first screening there was a lot of laughter and uncomfortable laughter mm-hmm. so it's like it, it it affects different things it's kind of like one of those things you you cheer about because it's just I mean it's it ends up being you can't help but the laugh because it's so hopeless this thing is a disrespect but people just refuse to look at what it really is and I hope my movie sheds Maybe a little bit of, it keeps a conversation going for sure. Um It's going to shut out some people in the conversation, but those aren't people I want to have a conversation with. So, yeah. you know. No, I, I think it's going to open up a lot of conversation. I can't wait for it to run in Chicago. Oh,
1: my God. That's a
2: crazy town. That is crazy. Watch your back, yeah. my brother. Hey, man.
1: Let's roll. Okay. Hey, let's be careful out let always when I was a rookie, which, which kind of upset me, is uh, I stopped a, a car, and there was two black males in the car. They shut the car off. They put the keys on a the roof. They were basically, like, trembling. So they must have had such bad uh, interaction with police at some point that you could see these two men were actually afraid of me. So I felt terrible. Uh, an NFL football player recently said that uh, whenever he's driving and there's a police car behind him, he gets nervous. Well, so do I. So it's just that authority figure behind you causes a little tension in all of us.
0: How do you think big city cops, what could they learn from what you guys do on, in a smaller grouping? It's a, tough, it's a it, tougher job, I know. It's a tougher ben.
1: job, but um, if, if everyone had the money, it would be great to have the cop walking the beast. It's just, just too expensive. Is that
0: what it is? Exactly. Yeah,
1: I think it's expensive. Because
0: they need more bodies? They need do more
1: it. bodies. Because you can only cover so much of an area. Sure. Uh, when I was first a police officer, when you start out, you do walk a beat. So I think I had about a 10-block a beat. Mm-hmm. And um, you can only do so much. Where in your police car, you can cover more ground. However, you um, block off access to the community because you're in a police car the windows are closed and people don't really want to approach you no you Mm, can't interact in the same way right and Uh, you
2: don't see the same thing walking versus driving
1: absolutely true when you're when you're walking a a foot post you can make a lot of arrests you're basically sneaking sneaking (laughs) sneaking up on people you know and the truth of the matter is you want to make your arrests. you know you want to get your collars are you
2: rated by how many arrests
1: no, not, no, okay. not at all. Not okay. at all. Okay. It becomes a more of like a, a pride thing amongst other police officers. Mm-hmm. Look at what I did. You know, I okay. made, I made this arrest. You haven't done anything. I'll just lay it
0: out. Look, there've been so many stories, s- sad stories about innocent youth, innocent people, mostly black, mostly male and situations where they get killed and bad stuff goes down. Um, you don't live in a town where that's happening in the same way, but what from your perspective, how can we make things better? What can we do?
1: Well, oh, I think it all does go back to the police officer uh, living in a community where he works. That really does Because help. then he knows every person. He knows the people, he knows the individuals, um, he has a sense of the community. That's a big, big thing. Um, and I understand in New York City, some of the officers, they can't afford to live in some. Well, that's where the government comes in. At one time, HUD had a program where they try to uh, have the officers uh, live in the community. right? And I think we need to bring that back. Whatever they have to do, do it. Whatever it's gonna cost, do it. And I think you will find police officers that do wanna live in the community, but they just can't afford it. Yeah. Do you think um,
0: that police officers of color have it harder than
1: white cops? Uh, Yes. You do, why? Well, one, uh, amongst their own people, they see them as the enemy then uh, other people see him as the enemy because they are police officers. So it can be, a, it's doubly. It's double, yeah. it's a double-edged sword. And then also, too, when the other people look at them and say, well, the only reason why they got the job is because they're black. Oh, dear person. God. So, so a, a poor police officer of color, he's getting it from all angles. So it's gotta be tough. Has, has your view of the world changed since
0: you became a cop? Like, when you started out, did you think things were one way and now as a police officer, as a captain,
1: do you see things a different I, I, way? I think you've come a little cynical. I, I don't know why. Uh, maybe just the way people look at you or treat you uh, you often see the bad in people mm. so sometimes you'd be somewhat cynical you think everyone's lying to you at some point no matter who you talk to, whether it's your family now your friends <laughs> yes. your neighbor what's you, really going on right like what's what's his angle here you know like you, you pass someone in the hallway good morning Sean what does he mean by that <laughs> what is why does you say good morning to me what's he what's to? Right? what is he up to you know <laughs> 1-Atom-12, one, one Adam 12 a two eleven in progress. 1-Atom-12, handle code
0: 3. Did you always want to be a police officer?
1: I always wanted to be a police officer, but my parents were totally against the idea. Is that right? That's true. Why? Uh, when I was a kid growing up, the police weren't um, the best characters in, in a small town. So uh, my parents wanted me uh, to be a dentist or an accountant, and uh, it just never really worked out for me. What, what were your parents' fears or concerns? Well, the Weehawken police officers, when I was growing up, they um, weren't educated, um, weren't very motivated, uh, weren't very polished. Uh, so um, that really, uh, I guess, uh, upset my parents. Mm. And, uh, so they were totally against it. And yet you really wanted to do that, why? Right, I, just always wanted, well, I wanted to help people. And when I was a uh, young boy growing up, I used to watch uh, Adam 12, with my grandmother, oh my and that God. was my favorite show. Every, do, Saturday, do, do. every Saturday night. And uh, my older sister, Debbie, who's 11 years older than me, she dated a police officer. And like in the movie ago, uh, they're always in the know. You know, you said, well, those cops, they always know what's going on. They do. So, so I wanted to be, be a cop. But then it finally hit home um, when I was in eighth grade, we were down shore. Uh, a friend of mine and his parents, and walking in front of us on the boardwalk were bikers. And they were intimidating people and pushing people, just really being bullies. Right. So I said, you know what? I really want to be a cop to stop people like that. And I think that kind of motivated me. And finally, uh, when I got to be in my 30s, I said, I want to become a cop. So you did this later in life. Yes. You didn't come right out of school. Nope, so what, nope. did
0: you, what did you do before you so were So when college? I
1: graduated from college, I did accounting for an advertising agency.
0: You did what your parents wanted you to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That didn't work out too well.
0: But what a good son. You gave it a shot. Yeah,
1: gave it a shot. What do you like most about being a police officer? I actually like helping people. Mm -hmm. Um, For every shift, I try to help at least one person. You know, go out of my way to make at least one person happy. So I truly enjoy that. The smallest things can make people happy.
0: Well, I have to say, personally, that's how I met you. Right, right, right. Because right. I was with my friend Nancy over at the, You we weren't even in the jurisdiction. Right, right, right. We are in West New York at the Starbucks, and I was trying with a very great difficulty trying to put my bike in the back of my car. And right. here comes Captain Kelly. Right, right, just right. Just like a knight in shining armor, <laughs> helping us fold and jam that thing in there. And I never forgot
1: that. Needed to, needed I, because I was such a great time. We, we had so much fun. Right? For yeah. something small like that, 10 minutes, how much fun did we have? It's all about helping people. So it's, why
0: do you want to help people so much? Now I'm going to be like devil's advocate. What is uh, that yeah, about? What's wrong with him? Yeah, what's wrong with him? What's all, what's all, yeah. wrong with him?
1: Um, it's just the way uh, I grew up, you know. I, I was Catholic school, choir, altar boy, the nuns beating me up. You know. <laughs> Wait, I love that, that progression. Catholic school,
0: altar boy, nuns beating me <laughs> up.
1: But also, too, I do believe that we are our brother's keeper. So any way you can help out somebody, you have a duty to do it.
0: Well, that's our show. Thanks to our guests, Captain Sean Kelly from the Weehawken Police Department and writer-director Corey Bowles. Look for Corey's film, Black Cop, coming soon to a theater near you. We'd like to thank both gentlemen for their commitment to making a better world for all of us. The Giles Files was created by Nancy Giles and Nancy Wyatt, produced, directed, and edited by Nancy Wyatt, and recorded at our luxurious studios in Weehawken, New Jersey. Special thanks to Showbiz Studios in New York City and to our future big-name sponsors like Lane Bryant and Pantene. Hey, call us, guys. We'll be back soon with another edition of The Giles Files, okay? And everybody, let's be careful out there.